<laughs> good morning, good morning, and welcome to your business in digital. We are <laughs> laughing as usual. We're always laughing backstage. It's always a fun time here at the show. <laughs> um, I think we love doing this show and we have a good time, you know? So even I though it's early so. morning <laughs> for all of us, we have a good time. Andrea, we miss you, but happy anniversary. Um, so Andrea is out, but you know, the rest of the the rest of the crew is here. <laughs> Michelle, Michael, what's going on, guys? <laughs> We're good to go. All right. Well, let's kick on to the intro. Let's get this party started. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. part. Uh, Michelle, I love that picture of you. <laughs> it's such a great picture in the intro. <laughs> All right. So we stop fangirling and start the show. Welcome, welcome to your business in digital. This is the show where we talk to you about digital, digital marketing, the digital landscape, all the things that you need to understand how to really be effective with leveraging digital and digital marketing for your business. Uh, we want to hear you say to your CFO, hey, digital will help me increase my revenue by 10%, it's 20% year over year. We want to give you those strategies that make sense for the business, right? All right. So let me tell you, let me get the housekeeping out of the way. Uh, we want to make sure that you connect with us. We want you to tell a business executive about this show, tell a business owner about this show, tell a small business owner about this show, because we really, again, help you connect those dots back to money in the bank. So connect with us on YouTube or LinkedIn. We're here live every Monday and Wednesday. Well, and we're not off season. <laughs> so we're here live. But if you can't connect with us live, you can check out the show on LinkedIn or YouTube later on. And if you prefer podcasts, we upload these episodes to Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google. Uh, and we're also broadcasting live across Instagram. I keep forgetting that. It's new for us. So <laughs> hey, Instagram, how are you guys doing this morning? So thank you guys for joining us. Make sure and share this information because, again, I think it is priceless information, you know, that we are, you know, we're spitting some game here, you know, and it's a good, solid team. So <laughs> All right, so let's move on along because I know we have a lot on the plate today. Today we're talking about all kinds of sales stuff. So I'm excited about this conversation. But let's do a quick recap of the last show. So, all right, in the last show we talked about my birthday. <laughs> There's always a production for my birthday, no matter what. It's like a group trip, this, that, the other. So I'm like, why not? I'm turning 50 and why not do the greatest of all greatest, the greatest campaign I could ever think of. Uh, so we're doing a a team and I are working on a 50 days to 50, a transformation worth its weight in gold. That's the name of the campaign. And in the last episode, we really outlined for you the steps of the campaign, how we're we getting there, right? It's more than just about my birthday. It's really, how do I connect my personal journey of transformation to my business journey of transformation? And then how do I then drive people to a webinar? Then how do I drive them to a workshop, right? So there are some clear goals in mind. It's not just the fluff. It's nice. I'm turning 50. 
I still can't believe that, but we're really turning this into a campaign and we're doing SEO for it. We're doing advertising for it. You know, we're working with the Chamber of Commerce to leverage their marketing uh, solutions, you know? So we're doing a lot of things to really move the needle. And the end goal is to, again, drive people to a workshop, to a webinar, and to increase visibility across the landscape, but really specifically where I live in Orlando, I've been a member of the Chamber of Commerce since August of last year. And now I think it's important that I really, you know, establish a foothold for the brand here uh, and really start pushing that information out. So that's exactly what we're going to do with this campaign. And then we're going to have you watch along the way so you can see it, right? Go back to the last episode. You know, uh, it is really a blueprint for what you should be thinking about when you are running a campaign. The goals are there, the outcomes, you know, uh, the KPIs, uh, the channels, how we're going to connect with people, the target audience. It's really, really very detailed, you know. I mean, we're marketers, so we're gonna make it. We're gonna make it nice. <laughs> we're gonna make it really nice. And that's the recap, my friends. <laughs> Bring the team back to the table. I mean, did you have anything to add to that? Because um, if you do, let us let me know. Tell me what you wanted to add to. Did I miss anything? <laughs> I think you got everything, Michelle. Do you think is there anything that stood out? I think she got everything. We are on the track to celebrate. And as we're going through the celebration, we're going to show and put the marketing into action and give the examples real life and stand 10 toes down on it is what Ms. Tamara I think I'll actually, you know, maybe we create a five minute segment where we could just kind of go over one thing, um, you know, and show the data points for that, you know, in the show, you know, I think it could be helpful to do that as well. Uh, the SEO, man, I... <laughs> I keep saying that SEO is such a hamster wheel. I'm writing a I'm writing a blog post about it. <laughs> I'm a blog as well as a part of the campaign, um, and it's such a hamster wheel that. But you know, every morning I am on the hamster wheel. So now I'm looking to see like how am I growing? Where are we moving to? So it's up four points, down one point, <laughs> up, 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 and then it's like do this. So it's literally like just working on the campaign. Yesterday was, I didn't even get to post yesterday because it was so hectic. Working on the campaign, so. But we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. You know what's really cool about what, what's happening with you right now that, that is coming across the screen that's real palpable is that you're showing that although this is your space, this is you know the thing that you do, your center of greatness, you're showing the community that you're just like them too. And that we're going through this process and that we all experience these things, we're just experiencing in a different way. And we're showing you that you can push through this, that you know, once you plan it that all the fields still happen, but we're still going on a data-centric kind of place and bringing the field in, but letting you see that side of it, or, you know, lifting the hood or moving the curtain back so that you can come behind the scenes and see a little bit of it. And I think that's really, really important for them to see a day in the life of what happens in a marketer's world when a campaign is being put together and how to execute that. So hats off to you, my friend, hats off. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. <laughs> so we are moving on along. We are moving into uh, hot topics. Guess who has the hot topics today, guys? I am waiting with bated breath. <laughs> I can't wait for this one. This is a rare occasion for you know a pleasure floor. So I, I'm looking forward to your like, hot topic. Yeah, I have a hot topic. You do so. hot topics. <laughs> <laughs> I do. 
since when? I have high expectations. Come on. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, get them off the screen. No pressure. All right. So what are we talking about today? As I roll my eyes, we are talking about de-influencing. Every know everybody knows how I hate made-up words. <laughs> So, uh, Nia, thank you for this hot topic. Uh, Nia, help me pull this together. So, the de-influencing. What is de-influencing? So, this is a new trend that's happening uh, in social media, and it is where individuals advise against certain purchases. So, they're influencing. <laughs> So anyway, that's personal thought here. So influencers dissuade their audience from buying specific products, often due to concerns about price, quality, or ethics. Uh, so in this new influence or defluence, <laughs> um, the impact continues to gain traction, right? It's, you know, they're talking about it, they're debating it. There was a rise of people influencing, and I think there was a huge, you know, consumer market. People were buying, 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 and this is really just the outcome, right? This is the next, you know, people are like, okay, cool. If we can influence, maybe we can tell people don't buy things. And so it's the other side of the same coin. Um, so it started with, you know, de-influencing comes continues to gain traction, expanding beyond beauty brands into the other online communities. So we're seeing more and more and more of it. Uh, and it's something I think we'll continue to see, right? It's nothing new. I still believe it's influencing. <laughs> but, you know, hey, social media, they love their turns. Let's move along <laughs> to the next slide. So the things that you want to take away from this, right, because these new trends, regardless of if we agree with them or not, they tend to impact our businesses. And so when they impact our businesses, we have to think about, all right, there's this new de-influencing trend. So what does that mean? It means that you want to really, really set the tone for making sure that you're not misleading people. You want to be honest. You want to be upfront. You want to really listen to, you know, the customer. You want to look at those products. You want to set expectations, right? Set expectations for what this is. Um, you know, make sure you're not claiming something that is not real because, you know, these <laughs> the influencers will, you know, they'll do their thing. Uh, focus on quality. Really strive on offering offering something that's high quality, uh, especially if you have a product. You want to really minimize the risk of negative reviews. Uh, and if you're finding that you are getting negative reviews, one of the things I'll say to you is this is something they do in the hotel industry all the time. It's finding a way to engage that negative review and really work to turn it into something positive. But if you focus on quality, um, you know, you'll find yourself in a decision where it's hard for them to really de-influence you. But if you do get a bad review, work around that, connect with the person and try to make a change with that review. Um, so embrace transparency. Be as transparent as you could possibly be, okay? Don't hide behind the curtains. People will dig, they will hunt, they will find. Um, make sure that you're saying the right thing and you understand that your brand, you understand what it is, you understand your product, you've used the product, you've tested it. Uh, make sure you understand all those things. Uh, and consider offering alternatives. If your product caters to a specific need, consider offering a range of options at various price points to cater to different budgets. If that's how your business is set up, again, in these situations, you want to make sure you're paying attention to your target audience. Um, and, you know, I guess this trend is here, but you also have to remain true to your business. But you can consider some other options like offering, um, again, you know, different range of options and price points. So... 
de-influencing. <laughs> uh, this is one of those things where I'm just not on board with a new term. You know, I'm like, so many things. You know, I could only imagine being on a client call and, you know, we've talked about influencers and now having to explain de-influencing to them. And they're like, isn't that just influencing with a D-E in front of it? <laughs> just... <laughs> Why are you confusing me? You know, that's, I hate these made up terms, but I get it. Right. But it's really just the other side of the coin. Right. We would tell people about good products and then you give bad reviews if you don't like a product. So they're doing the same thing. <laughs> what do you guys think? <laughs> Go for it, Michelle. <laughs> We're talking when when we say someone is influencing, they are giving a testimonial and going in as an advocate for a product for a given reason. They like it. They're being paid uh, to do it. Pick pick a reason. The de influencing is a bad review. This or that. We we've encountered it many a day, and that's what we're saying. They're coming on and saying, "Don't buy this for whatever reason. I like, I dislike, or." If we dig deep into it, they're really promoting a different product. Let, let, let's call it a spade a spade because sometimes when I run across many of them, it's this or that. And when they say that versus this, it's for a reason to push a different product or they're just simply giving a bad review. So I'm just going to call it they're giving a bad review. It's in a nutshell what I look at. it, And I think you're correct as we're, we're speaking through it as a, a small business owner and from a sales perspective. You're, you're, you are one, if you're with your right target audience and you're going through the things that we've spoken, spoken about last, last um, episode that we had, or pick an episode from the last three seasons, we're consistently talking about the client journey and the continuum. And as you're setting things up that you're providing and answering the question. So you have the testimonials, you're providing the proof in, 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 in your, your particular product or service so that the client can, a prospective client can make their own decision. So I, I think that as you're keeping them sticky on your website, as you're moving them through the journey and keeping them within your sphere, you're helping to put up barriers to that noise, moving that noise out of the way so that your, your clients or potential clients are staying within the realm and not being influenced by these things. And if you have, like you said, the correct service recovery when when, and I'm saying when for a reason, something goes awry because we're all not 100% perfect, there's going to be an instance where service is incorrect or something goes wrong when you're show, showing that you're capable of recovering because you care and that you want to show that, yes, we do make mistakes, but this is what we're trying to do to make it right. That means a lot as well. So, yeah, mm -hmm. thumbs down on the de-influencing and, and you know, bad review. That's what bad reviews from influencers. Yes, let's just call it bad reviews from influencers. <laughs> so, but it, 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 it forces your hand, right, as a, as a business, because now here's somebody who has a, an audience that's saying something. So, you know, before we, we talked about, yes, using influencers in the positive sense, but I think this, this definitely forces your hand where we know that one of the pushbacks we get is how do I deal with negative reviews and a negative customer review appears very differently from a negative influencer review. Right. Um, so this was a great topic. I, I mean, I'm not mad at the word, but I, I don't, I don't want to use it really, <laughs> but I get it. 
but definitely yes, something that you should keep an eye on. I think it um, can possibly highlight where you've been going wrong and you need to course correct quickly because obviously if it reaches just at that level, it, it probably is something that you should have addressed a while back. Yeah, no, 100%. And I think it comes back to, I think de-influencing is maybe the first step in getting canceled. <laughs> They de-influence. It's like the steps to cancellation. And I was like, well, I've been de-influenced. De 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 I don't even know what to say. But you're right. I think, Michelle, it's you hit on that, right? How do you redeem yourself? What's the comeback? So it really comes back to online reputation management and really being clear on that. What are the things that you're doing to manage your online reputation? And how do you find yourself, if you find yourself in the space of an influencer saying something, again, how do you adjust, address the situation and move forward? And as small businesses, those are things that we need to consider because um, you know something like that happening to a small business is definitely, they, they take a bigger hit you know, than a larger company, right? So um, you might have to dive into this a little bit more on another show. Yeah. I, yeah, it's, 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 well, yeah. Then it's like, you know, is the influencer's all. audience, your audience, et cetera, right. et cetera, all the things, right? All the, mm -hmm. But it, it has that trickle down effect as well too, right? So, you know, influencers are great to a certain extent, but then, you know, it gets a little bit crazy based on their perspectives, based on the algorithms, you know, you know, it's a, there's a lot, you know, so. I think it's a larger conversation for sure. <laughs> but that's our hot topic today, guys. <laughs> well done. Well done. All right. So we're moving on along and we are moving on to our next segment, which we love. Uh, our next segment. <laughs> So our go beyond the likes segment is where we take you beyond those likes, you know, to that place of strategy, right? What is the true strategy? We want to move you beyond likes and follows and get you to the point of what's my digital strategy? Uh, what are the strategies that work for my business? And how am I utilizing these things? How am I looking at my KPIs? All the behind the scenes of the digital marketing, you know, not the fluff stuff, but the real stuff. Uh, so today we are talking a bit about... Da -da -da -da. sales in the digital age, overcoming common pitfalls. So, you know, this is, I'm so glad that we have our sales team on the line. <laughs> um, VP of, <laughs> VP of all things sales. <laughs> so I think this is going to be an in interesting conversation. Michelle, I know you're going to have great perspective on this. So let's jump in. So the first point we're talking about today is, how can businesses ensure their digital strategy is clearly defined and aligns with their overall business objectives? So Michelle, I'm just gonna let you jump in and you know, we're gonna kick all the questions to you and Michael and I just gonna <laughs> give feedback. <laughs> you know, I, I, it is interesting that we're looking at this perspective. We talk about it often and as Michael pointed out in one of our offline meetings that we do have, we, we meet you know, regularly offline and, and are we, how do, how do we dig into it from a real sales perspective and align it with what the digital journey means? And when we're, we're speaking of this, and I'm sure we'll get to it in every facet of every, every business that we, every component that we encounter from finance and operations piece, a number of the things that we're going to say will sound repetitive because we're not recreating a wheel. We're just dating it from a sales perspective or an ops perspective or a finance perspective. And in this instance, 
you know, how do, how do we clearly define these things? We're, we're going back to the thing that we said last time. Start with your SMART goals and make sure that they're aligned with your business objective. objective. So are, are they, you know, are you know who your target audience is and understand where they fit in whatever online avenue that you're going into. Uh, you have to choose the right channel for your specific audience and make sure that they're engaged and then not just integrate what you're doing, but track your results. And the thing that I speak, and I think it's the most important piece of this element is you are not in the sales journey alone. The success or failure of, of this strategy is dependent upon how well and how often you're communicating and educating everyone that's on your team. And that's everybody that's online here, plus our missing counterpart and those two that are offline. And from a, from a digital strategy, operations, finance, the post-sale activity team that's taking things from implementation into steady state, everyone needs to be on the same page and in the know. And all of those components are, are absolutely required if we're going to avoid some of the common pitfalls that we encounter from a sales strategy. So I think it's imperative that we look at all five of those components from the onset in order for us to make sure that we are aligned to start that journey correctly. I agree a hundred percent. You know, this is where we start and Michelle said it, we are going to sound rep repetitive, but we are really looking at that different perspective. So what does that sales team, that sales team perspective look like? I, especially like when we talk about integrating sales efforts and tracking results, because this brings in that offline side that mixes when we talk that hybrid of digital plus offline. So your sales team goes to conferences, it goes to they go to expos, they go to different events. So you, Tamara, you go to chamber events, right? So there are these offline activities that need to be married with the online activities so that there's some sort of continuity that's that's generated. So 100%, that's the best place to start. And when we speak of these things, when we say, for instance, set your SMART goals and align with your business objectives, think of if you are a, a, a business that has a combination of services and products, what's your business objective for that product could be very different from what you have for that service offering. And they could have two different target audiences as well. And it's really defining and getting into rolling your sleeves up and understanding what that is. From the operations perspective, once in the sales journey perspective, all of those could be very different, but there could be a place where they cross and understanding what that means on the pre-sale activity. And that's from wherever they enter the sales journey through the, the exit into the post-sale component. When we're implementing, what does that mean? The delivery of a, a, a service is very different from them getting a product and the timeliness of that. But we're all coming back to checkpoints and making sure that the client is okay. We're also coming back to getting a testimonial from them. Where are they in the next stage of the buying journey? Is there something that we can upsell them on? Make sure that they repurchase. How are they feeling at a, a specific point? All of those are identical in the service and, and the product component. It's where they meet and how to speak to them based upon the product that we're delivering and who's going to deliver that and is it going to be automated or not. Again, I'm saying things and giving key terms that we've talked about last episode, the episode before, three seasons back, 
These are things that we keep repeating, but we're speaking of them now from a sales perspective and getting into a deep dive on the sales side of this versus uh, the, the just digital marketing side and then how does it fit in to the digital world? A hundred percent, definitely. All right, next question. So the next question is, what steps can be taken to avoid neglecting the customer during the digital sales process? And <laughs> so many things, you know, this is one of the things I'll highlight first is the user experience, right? Um, the user experience from that time that they see whatever it is they see, is it an ad? Is it something that draws them in? that user experience to get to buying your product, to purchasing the product, what does that feel like? And that comes down to that website, that comes down to that mobile, that comes down to that chat bot, that comes down to all those things in the digital space that we're talking about. Those tools really have to serve the purpose of making, helping the sale be completed, right? And so it has to be really seamless. So I'm gonna pass it over to you for the rest of it, Michelle, but I really wanted to hone in on the importance of your digital experience. I'm glad you started there because there, there is a key metric that is really important in understanding the, the, the buyer journey and especially when they're ready to buy. More clicks, means less buys. <laughs> Let, let's be really candid. If uh, the, the more they're clicking through to find information or get to the sale, the, the, the more they'll be frustrated and the higher your, your, your regret rate will be. We are an immediate society. We want things now. So click to purchase. They want to do it in one or two steps. Get to the page, show them the information. Don't make them click off to find different things, but get to it and move through quickly. The more we make them click, the less they'll be engaged and the more they'll go to someone else who makes it really easy for them to buy, one. Two, we need to make sure that we are personalizing that experience. That's one of the reasons why we talk about understanding the target audience and their buying behavior, where they are, what they look for, understanding what makes them, them act what makes them tick. When you understand those components, you're able to personalize the messaging, personalize the delivery mode that you're sending something to them. You're able to then give them something that makes them think, wow, they really understand me. They know me. They get my pain. So you're, they know, like, and trust you a bit more and therefore will lean in a bit harder and purchase your product. So I think that's a big thing. And then I think a, a key, a, <laughs> yes, Michael. I, I just want to jump in right there before you go on. So when we talk about personalization, I also want to highlight, are you, are you, you have to continue learning about your customer. So when we talk about those forms, you know, it's not just that first form that they filled in. You should not be just working from that. You should continually be learning and getting more and more information on your customer as they go through that sales process. So that will help on your personalization. So yes, at the top of the funnel, you may just know their name and their company, but then you want to get into things like, you know, do they go to, do they go to conferences and when, when is that season? you know, who are their target audiences. You want to continually collect information so you can, that personalization, that's where it comes in, that you can now speak to them in a manner that says, yes, we understand you and we are getting to know you. 
That is so true. We mentioned something last episode where we spoke about feedback, getting ongoing feedback. And that's really important for one, the, the partnership and the relationship, but also to help you to make sure that you're in tune and, and in the know with what the changing dynamics are for your existing client base and then also where the market is going. Our ability to reach out and to actually ask for opinion is not only being fruitful and, and helping you to make sure that your product or service is aligned with where not just what your objectives are, but what your, your target audience is asking for. It allows them to really say, well, they're not just after my money. They really care about my opinion. And then when they see that you've taken that opinion and infused it into your product or service, that goes a long way for you, for you having a stronger advocate that will be willing to speak on your product and place something out there in, in the buying atmosphere that will help to strengthen the guardrails that we spoke about in the hot topic of the de-influencing. The de it helps to move that, that, that piece forward. So I think that that is a very strong component of this exercise is getting that client feedback and staying in the know. All right. All right. Moving on to point number three. This one I really, really like. <laughs> In what ways can businesses effectively segment their digital audience to optimize their sales efforts? Now, we hear segmentation all the time, but there's so many layers to segmentation. So, Michelle, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> Oh, as my niece used to say when she was a little girl, she used to say, oh, Auntie Shell, this is complicated. This is complicated, complicated, but easy. You know, it's easy. It's simple and will be compli complicated if we make it so. There are a couple of things that we think about segmentation and it's age, like, oh, what's the demographic? Like, where do they live? Those are key components of, of what we're doing, but there are a couple of other things that we need to understand and, and lean into often. Behavior. How, how are people behaving? Meaning, when do they shop? How do they shop? Do they only shop during lunchtime or are they weekend people or evening people or are they all day people? It's understanding where they go. What are their pain points? Like, are, are they in, in need now? Are they in high pain? Like, is that pain threshold, you know, are they, have they met it? Or are they just shopping and understanding what that means? And that will, will indicate from a sales perspective, are they at the place of buying or are they just window shopping? That's really key in understanding where they are in a couple of things. Um, what are they really interested in? Are they interested in those square glasses that Tamara has that are a darker frame? Are they, you know, wanting something that's red, that's, that's you know, something that's high fashion, that's something that, or they want something that's low key? It's understanding what their interests are and where they're going so that we can understand something and, and, and cater to that. And I think the, the biggest component of this is understanding where they are in the sales cycle. Are they, as we say, at the top where every person's buying journey does not start in the same place. It is not linear. 
they may start and be of interest in at a, at a one or a two, or they may come in hot. They may come in hot, know what they want. They've done their homework and looking for the person to give their money to. So they're at, uh, they lower way down in the sales funnel and they have come in through a referral from someone. So that's even hot because someone says, I've got you. I know exactly what you're looking for. Click on this link and we'll take you there. And at that stage, we're trying to answer some of the basic questions for them and how are we catering to that and addressing that particular need. So I think it is complicated, but very simple. If we allow it, if we think through the process in advance and prepare ourselves to meet whatever that person is needing at that moment in that particular area of the sales cycle that they're in. Oh, that was a lot. That was a lot. It's good though. <laughs> Michael, go for it. <laughs> it. It was, yeah, it was very good. And you know, this is where leveraging digital works, right? Um, because when we say segment, going straight back to Tamara's entrance of, of this, this question, we're talking like any combination of these these different categories, you know, the demographic, the behavior. So you are a certain age and you behave this way and, and your interest is this and your pain point is that. So that's that's a full segment. And then you'll probably have a couple of these segments. So again in that repetitive stream that we're talking about today your buyer persona represents that ideal but now you're going to be segmenting because they're these are the different versions of your buyer personas so great point here and yes absolutely leveraging digital to make sure that you can as you see that's where it gets easy because now you can just build those segments test those segments see how they perform change on the go optimize on the go Oh, you guys are so smart. <laughs> so smart. I love it. All right. Next question. <laughs> so the next question is, when implementing digital marketing campaigns, how can businesses ensure their messaging resonates with their target audience? All right. I'm going to, this one, they're forcing me to answer this one. <laughs> Um, you really have to understand all the things that we just talked about are so important. What are their pain points? What are they searching for their behaviors? You have to craft a message that speaks to them. Great example is over time, as we've been building our message at Monovan Digital, we've been slowly, you know, cra crafting it and listening to our target audience to really understand what they're saying. They're saying, Hey, Digital doesn't bring me ROI. So we then say, here's how we help you leverage digital to bring ROI, because you need to see that ROI. We're hearing business executives, they don't really get it. Social media is very trendy. There's a lot of fluff. We say, go beyond the likes and follows to strategy that drives revenue. They say, hey, digital, so many KPIs, we say, here, let's get to these KPIs and get you to money in the bank. Go to your CFO and say, digital helped me increase my revenue by 10%, by 20%. So we started to listen to what people are saying. And based on what they're saying, we fine-tuned our message. We do this show, right, Your Business in Digital, because the message is, 
did we simplify digital marketing for you? We bring in the sales team, we bring in the, the finance team, we bring in the operations team and the marketing team to have a cohesive conversation because we also understand that with most businesses, there's beef around the, the departments, right? Finance and sales got beef, marketing and sales got beef, operations is like, we got all the beef. So there's so much beef. So we really you know, turn that around. And we said, hey, let's bring these people together to have this conversation. That's what we've done in order to create a message that resonates with our target audience, business executive, business owners, um, small, medium business owners. So we're talking to the thing that makes sense to them. We talk to business schools as well, because business executives are focused on their business goals. They have a leadership team that they're talking to, and these goals of revenue growth are important. So we hone in on Digital should help you drive your revenue goals. And so we really get to the heart of it. And that's how we develop our messaging to create a message that resonates. So when I'm outside speaking to people, I'm not talking about likes. I'm not talking about follows. Sometimes I'm not even talking about your website. Sometimes I'm talking about market share online, right? I'm getting to the heart of what a business person is talking about because they're talking about market share offline. So we want to talk to market share online. So we're connecting digital back to the business elements, right? Because for so long, it's been very separated. Um, so I hope that answer works. <laughs> I love what you, you dropped in just at the end there, because you do it, you are doing it actively. Um, resonance. So what is your sales team doing offline? Um, is it is it aligned with what's happening online? So that situation where your sales team goes to a, a prospect and the prospect says, oh, I saw this, that you all were doing this. And they're like, uh, yeah, we are, <laughs> right? So again, that resonance because your sales team is out there speaking. So they should be speaking the same language that's happening online. That's, that, that's another level of that resonance. And yes, as we've said in shows before, going all the way back to Clubhouse, this is what we've referred to as your digital street team, right? So that's the, that's that role that they have, the sales team is playing. So you want to make sure that there's also that level of resonance happening. I think it, it no, I'd like to add to what you're saying. And, and from, from a sales perspective, one of the things that you're doing and that we invite our, our, our clients to do, something I speak to my lanyard clients on is simplifying that message and making it relatable and simple. How, what do you do and how do you solve my pain in the most simplified fashion? Don't use all these big words and a long, you know, thesis for it. Simply, what do you do? How do you do it? And how does that meet my need right now? You know, and that's, that's what you're doing when you're speaking to how the digital effort helps. When we say we're going to help you to ask for your value and get it in a sustainable way from a sales perspective and a pricing perspective is what we do here at Lanyard. What you're doing on the Montevan side and what we're inviting all businesses to do is to not dumb it down, but simplify it in a language that your buying community understands. They'll lean in. They will come back to you. They will ask you more questions. And that's what you're trying to do. Don't bury the lead. Just say it simply. 
Yeah, and really position your messaging to be 100% about them. Make that messaging customer-centric. I can't say it enough. Uh, everything you're doing when you're working with a customer, really focus in your goals are your goals, and you know what you're trying to get to, but your customer does not care about your goals. <laughs> they care about their things, so you really have to make it connect with them. When we're in front of our devices, we are, me, 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 we're the most selfish people on the planet, and we don't care about your business goals. So your customers, you got to talk to them in a way that makes them feel like, hey, it's you. <laughs> you are the one, and this funnel was crafted just for you because we know who you are. Come on in. Got to make them feel warm and fuzzy. <laughs> you have to. It's about them. The you know the, the thing we talk about in marketing, it's the woof them. What's in it for them? So what's in it for your customer? It's, you know, you understand what's in it for you, uh, but we have to be customer-centric in our messaging whole speech. I did a whole, I think, couple of um, things online about that. It's not about you. And that is the number one turnoff. Your potential clients and your existing understand when you're feeding them those words, well, so it's about you. How about no? How about no? <laughs> is there is their response in varying ways? And that's not engaging in, in, in your content. It's not buying your product because you're showing that it's not about them. And why would they give you their money? Also, the other thing that, that we, we need to understand when we do that is that we're, we're basically telling them that you don't care. You know, I you don't care about me because you're talking about you and what you need, not what I need, not what I need. And uh, please embrace that. It, turn it around. Understand that it's about your client. How are you engaging them? What do they need and how is your solution going to solve their problem? Your service or your product going to meet their need expeditiously at the right price point. If you're talking to your right target audience and delivering that message and understanding their behaviors, you're going to be able to, to do that, in, including all of your support team behind you because they're advocates for your business as well. That was a good one. All right. <laughs> we get so excited about these things. Andrew, we miss you. <laughs> All right. On to the next question. <laughs> so what strategies can be employed to improve the effectiveness of lead generation in the digital landscape? And, you know, Mike, I'm going to start with you and I'm going to kick this over to you because I know there's some things that... <laughs> Yeah, yes, thank you. So so definitely what strategies can can be used? Um, so definitely we can start with a content focused strategy, right? So we might be looking at what's that valuable content that we're creating for our target audience, you know, high quality posts, white papers, things of that nature. Um, we can look at search engine optimization, SEO, as you said, that hamster wheel, right? Um, because none of these things are one and done. You have to continually create this content. So that's definitely just first two ways you can start to look at just improving the effectiveness of that lead. I'll go one step back out though to say that you can improve the effectiveness of the lead if you're defining what that marketing qualified lead looks like. Um, a lot of, we've, we've encountered a lot of situations where there isn't that clear definition of when marketing, when the digital brings in this person 
you know, what qualifies them to be, for a salesperson to even start speaking to them, right? So that we, we came to this, we talk lead generation, but maybe we're talking more prospecting, right? Your, your, your digital presence may be more about prospecting, and then you want to sort now into leads. So following on that, you can look at, of course, that optimization of your website. Again, your website, we've done the show, your website is not a magazine, it's not one and done. So you've got to do some compelling landing pages. It depends on what you're aiming for, what time, what time of, um, what, what are the pain points of, of your target customer at that point in time, your user-friendly forms. So don't drop forms that have 20 questions on them, you know, straight off the bat, right? Um, at the same time, you know, you people are, of course, hesitant to give information. So you want to kind of trickle that question and answer as you go along. Then we talked about this on Monday, so don't shy away from it, even if Air Canada does whatever. But chatbots, right? Live chatbots or automated chatbots. Always that you can now say, well, listen, I can reach my, my ideal customer better. Um, effectively, you know, look at that lead and say, is this an effective generation of that lead? Then, of course, you have, and this goes back to tomorrow, then you have your targeted advertising side. That paid ad, paid search, your social media ads, your retargeting ads, very all key points in terms of reaching, um, making sure that you're effective, effectively generating quality leads because that's that's the key word. We can come across a lot of content out there that just talks lead generation in in a vacuum, right? Oh, generate leads, and they mean getting an email address, pretty much. And we are talking no, getting somebody who is likely to qualify to has the authority to decide on this product or service so that's number five that's the answer to number five the strategies you can use to improve lead generation in digital that's what you call a good answer <laughs> what a thorough answer mr wilshire you know what I really, you know, from from yes, we we lean into the sales component of this a, a bit more too. When you were speaking of the landing pages, that not just a quality landing page, but when we are directing them to that said landing page, one of one of the the pitfalls because that's one of the things that we're speaking of here is that when we're we're defining what that sales journey needs to be. That we 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 double down and lead them to that landing page and not the not a generic component of your website. That is the free for all the the, the general information information page. If we want said action to happen, we have to drive that that behavior. And that landing page is not there just to be pretty. It's to drive sales and to drive a specific interaction. So that thought process that Tamara speaks of often of. What's that next step? What do we want to have happen? That landing page helps you to cut out a number of different steps to drive that activity right away and drive that behavior and that interaction that we're seeking right away. So I really en enjoyed that piece because you're speaking. This is the quality content on a specific subject. Now, the next natural place is to lead them to exactly what that information was involved in. What's that? What's the call to action is, yeah, Sign up now, click here, buy this, and bring them on that landing page, not just the generic sell page where there's 500 products or even five, that specific one that you want them to purchase. 
I mean, I, I'm so glad you talked about landing pages. I was spending a lot of time with SEO doing, you know, re fixing, refixing, <laughs> de influencing. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. <laughs> Deep so I've been spending a lot of time with SEO turning pages into landing pages that are connected to keywords, uh, even in making the website less generic because it's, um, as we pivot to these keywords, digital marketing consultant, what are they coming into and what's the experience they're getting? On that page, they should get every question answered. And the, the, the next two questions that we anticipate that they're going to ask, they should get it answered. The page on your website should be a decision-making point. I'm ready to engage and give you my email address and move this relationship forward. I may be ready to book a consultation with you and move this relationship forward, right? But it's all the starting points of these relationships because there's more nurturing to happen along the way as well too, right? So I'm glad you hit on those landing pages because they are so, so critical. And we don't think about our website in a place of, hey, when someone comes here, what's the experience? Where we Sometimes we think, oh, they'll just go to the next thing. You know, they'll just go over to uh, this page and find it. They're fine. <laughs> what they'll do is they'll click off and go somewhere else. You know, our, our goal with this, as you said, Michael, this is not a magazine. It is a sales engine. It is helping you to propel your business forward and to close deals in varying aspects of the sales cycle. And the, the purpose is, is you could do a lot of homework, as Tamara just said, the SEO, the keyword component that is going to drive behavior based upon what your clients are saying they want and need. So why fall off of the sales cycle and just let it go stale and cold when you have the, the tool at hand to just move them to what I say is what's next? What's next? It's always what's next. And that next step is the next phase in their journey, move them forward, invite them in, lead them down the right path to make that next step. Otherwise, they're going to make it on their own and it may not be where you want them to be. So invite them to the next place that you want them to go to, to buy, engage, invite, read more, pick a term, an active term, it's an action. Love it. All right. On to the next question. How can businesses leverage data analytics to gain insights and optimize their digital sales pipeline? <sighs> I love this question. <laughs> I heard this question. Anyway, <laughs> how do you do that? By number one, understanding the KPIs that matter, right? So what are the things that you're going to be looking at? You know, I always say you're not just looking at likes and follows, but you're looking at click-through rates. You're looking at the time on site. You're looking at data points. If you're not looking at any website data points, I want you to start today. <laughs> go to your website, go to your Google Analytics, and just start looking to see, okay, what's the traffic look like? How long are people spending? What's the engagement rate? Start getting some ideas of what's happening in that space. 
And then that leads you to, man, how many sales come from my website, right? What, what's really happening? And you start, you start to wrap your mind around, okay, this could be a little bit more effective. I, I created this page six years ago <laughs> and people spend a minute on it. Is this driving me sales? And then you're able to start connecting those dots to be like, man, if I drove more traffic here, this, if I increase the traffic to this page by 10%, this could increase my revenue by X percent, right? So it's starting to understand the metrics that you need to look at and you, you, you got, it's so important. It's so important. If not digital becomes fluff, digital becomes a thing that you say, um, this is, I don't see the ROI on it because you're not looking at any data points. So it's really, really important that you understand that if you're working, if you're doing it, you have an in-house team doing your marketing for you. Um, you want to make sure that you're saying, hey, how are we measuring just past the sale, right? Because the sale is important, but if you understand the KPIs that lead up to that sale, that, that sales funnel in the digital space that making a shift or a change or optimizing can increase sales significantly, right? You can get a 2%, let's say you increase the people that come to your website that convert by 2%, that could be game changing for your business. So you really want to hone in on those KPIs, use those data points. That's the most important thing. Perfect, Michelle. <laughs> no, I agree. It is let the data guide where, where you're going. And that could mean several different things. Again, one of the things that we said before is what, what are you standing on? What does success look like for you in those analytics? And that is a thorough conversation that you must have with whoever's working on your, your digital marketing with you understand that they will guide you and give you best practices or best measurement averages on what website traffic looks like on an average, what interactions could look like, what for different target audiences that number should be for you to start, stop, and go and make some decisions in, in, in that analysis. But you as the business owner have to decide what that success looks like so that your digital marketer understands what you're, what you're seeking and can guide you well on it. There's a component of this too that you need to really understand is in the conversion component, in the, that analytics, where does the buying cycle stop, stop? And where does it go? Meaning what do those numbers look like? And when they raise, because they're what I call regrets, meaning they haven't bought, bought from you. They got to the sales page and they didn't buy, or they put it in the cart and didn't buy. What does that number look like? And delve in with your team to understand what the reasons why, you know, what are the whys behind it and how do you pivot from those? And it's important that you not lean into the emotion, but understand what the data is telling you so that you may modify and move accordingly. And that is really key. It can be really hard to, to not be emotional about it because you don't hear the register ringing but lean into that hard because the numbers are giving you the story and it's guiding you to where you need to go to, to be successful. And when it's going really well, what does that really mean? Does, you know, have, have you not put your price point in the right place? Have you excelled and can you operationally make sure that that, that is, is fulfilled? And then how do you, how do you take that and repeat it in other lines of business that you have and what are those learnings there? What does that data tell you? 
So I think it's really important to listen to the data and not an emotion. Emotions won't make your sales. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And this is where CRMs become really important to sales teams, right? Because once, once a customer is in that sales pipeline, it allows you to see how they're interacting with your digital presence while dealing with a sales rep or a sales team. So for example, you may speak to um, one person at a company, they are going back to have a discussion with their colleagues. Their colleague may jump back onto your website to see, well, let me see what you were talking about. So CRM has some connectivity that says to you, okay, this is what's happened since then. The client has gone back to this page, this page, this page, which tells me something. So that's how you can integrate and definitely keep using that data in that pipeline, uh, making sure that those conversion rates are what you think they are and adjusting them accordingly if you need to. You just said something really key, Michael, that I think it's really important to have in your conversations with your, your, your digital marketer as well as your team. Are they first time visitors? Are they first? And that is key. Or are they repetitively coming back? And that is strengthening a couple of things. One, they are they are farther down in the buying cycle if they're coming back. Or two, we've not answered the question that they need to have answered in order for them to click yes and to buy whatever they're they're looking to 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 purchase either service or product. And those are really important. If, if I forget what the real term is, because that's Tamara's face and not mine. But there's a term for that. If there, you know, was that a link that they used repetitively and later on, or were they one time they came in and they purchased? Key, key, key information for you to understand. And did so, they share? And so the, the, the when that's actually something that we look at in the analytics, right? The repetition, how many times does this person come back to the site? It's also something I look at in advertising, right? The frequency that they see the ad. If someone's coming back to the site, coming back to a specific page, they're convinced they're getting to that place of like, okay, cool, I think I want to buy this. Um, you see someone who's come back to a site, I, I've seen it with clients in Shopify, especially someone's come back they're ready to buy. So it really is something. And if they come back and they're not getting their question answered, they're still interested in what you have. You may be a, <laughs> a one and only type of product. They're interested and they're looking for that thing to jump to, right? So they're looking for that. Convince me, uh, convince me one more time, you know? So that's, it, it's really important there. So, all right, guys. And I'll just say one more thing quickly. And it's the call and response. Michael's mentioned something before of some things that can be automated. And Tamara talks about, you know, other marketing components. So if they've come to the site, your next, and they've not purchased, your next action needs to be something. What's the next thing? What's your response to it? Hey, saw you visited this. May I answer more questions or deliver a link to the Q&A FAQ component to it? Or another picture. Did we deliver enough to there? It's your job to understand they've called and asked you something. Now, what is your response going to be that helps them to make that decision and remain engaged with you? Oh man, oh, it's good. It's good show. <laughs> Andrew, we missed you. Um, all right. So final thoughts, <laughs> Michelle, I'm gonna kick it over to you first. <laughs> I think the takeaway from this is we're not recreating the wheel here. We've just spoken about it from a sales perspective and shown, showed you how the digital marketing component is a key element in moving your sales process forward. 
the operations component is a key element to moving your sales process forward. The finance side is a key component to moving your, your sales forward and for the health of your company. And that it, it takes a village and the village of your team can help you to move your business forward, but look at it from a sales lens and answer the same questions that we've been asking for three seasons and the details that we've been giving you for three seasons. It's not rocket science. It's just repetitive from a different viewpoint. And 100%, you know, sales teams definitely can leverage digital. Um, the, the amount of data that we're talking about to keep modifying that buying persona, that, that ideal buyer persona, um, so many things in this discussion this morning to highlight, but definitely like marketing is not a silo, sales is not a silo. There's, it's a continuum and definitely there's a lot of data that you can use to, at the end of the day, increase that ROI, increase that conversion rate, um, increase that close rate, you know, um, and, and have a, a, a more holistic functioning team that, that sees marketing through from start to close. Uh, what would I say? I'll go back to an episode and Michelle already said it in the show. Your website is not a magazine. Uh, it is the first salesperson that your customer come across. Um, and so connecting marketing and sales and really talking to your sales team um, or your salesperson to understand the things that they see on the ground is relevant to put into your website because you want to really translate that sales experience that they're having into your digital present because they understand the pain points. The things that sales understand that can bring to your website, to your online presence, you would be, <laughs> you'd be like, what? Sometimes when I talk to Michelle and she walks me through a, a step in the process and I'm like, ah, yeah, gotcha. We missed that, right? It's but they they have so much information from being on the ground, talking to people, building those relationships. And so your website is this place that yes, the the final sale could happen there or the booking or whatever it is, but you want to understand those steps to building the relationship. And sometimes that's the first thing your customer sees. So um, connect your sales and marketing teams. Make sure you're having conversations with them. Uh, it's really important. And Michael said it break the silos. So um, fine, that's my final thoughts. <laughs> this is a great show, guys. I had a good time. Um, you know, of course, Andrea, can't wait to have you back on Monday. And next week, we have some exciting stuff happening. So stay tuned. We always have some exciting stuff. I feel like every week I'm like, we got exciting stuff. We got exciting stuff. <laughs> season four, season four. Okay. All right. So <laughs> let me do the final housekeeping. Uh, definitely, you know, uh, connect with us. If you know a business executive, if you know a business owner, if you are spending money and not seeing the ROI on your digital marketing efforts, share the show with them. You come, you listen to this show. I mean, it's fun to watch us live, uh, but it's also good to, to listen after the fact. So we're live on YouTube. We're live on Instagram. We're live on LinkedIn. We're live on Facebook, Mondays and Wednesdays at 7 a.m. But we also upload these um, video podcasts to Spotify, Apple, Amazon. Uh, so you can listen on the go. Google, we're in all the spaces we need to be. So you can listen on the go to these podcasts. Podcast. I mean, this is 
gold here. We want you to get to that place of money in the bank through your digital and your digital marketing efforts. We understand that it's not easy. But we want you to walk back into your CFO, to your CEO and say, here's what. We really worked on digital and digital helped us increase our revenue by 10%, by 20% year over year. We want you to have those conversations. Digital is no longer a supplement. It is something that you need as a part of your business. So this is where we give you the information. So have an amazing, amazing day. Um, we will see you back here on Monday. Uh, team, always a pleasure. Take it easy, guys. Bye. <laughs>